Thank you, Lauren. Uh, I really admire Lauren there. Uh, she, you have to give it to her. She quite stepped up because I've, uh, I've never had anybody uh, read, and we rarely have, uh, have taught from Habakkuk, okay? Y'all got that? Habakkuk? Okay. You're like, no, I don't have that. Yeah, I know, because uh, it's, uh, it's hard to pronounce. We have two passages this morning that, uh, that Lauren read. The first is Deuteronomy. Uh, towards the, uh, the front of the Old Testament in the law, Deuteronomy 26. And she read us verse 1 through 11. And then, uh, yes, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 through 19, the end of, of that. Now, I'll tell you why uh, in a moment. Uh, first off, I, I do want to share this. I wanted to share it before the sermon. Uh, for those of you who uh, are members uh, those of you who also uh, maybe not be members, but feel called here, led here to Bellwether Church, Bellwether Community Church as your home, or, or those who are like, you know, I think God's calling me here, but I'm not sure. Uh, we're having a, a general meeting uh, on this Wednesday night from uh, 6 to 7.30. Uh, this meeting is really, you know, I think Sunday morning to give honor to Christ, uh, that we present the gospel, uh, we share the gospel but a lot of the nuts and bolts stuff of the church happen in these member meetings uh, or elder meetings. We have elders or deacon meetings. And so we're going to share at that meeting. And I really hope, again, if you're a member uh, or if you are interested in this church or feel led to this church, that you will attend. Uh, because we want to give a vision and direction for the next season in the life of this church. Uh, God has been very good to this church. God has provided. Uh, for some of you, you may know, uh, we have exited a denomination, uh, the United Methodist Church. And we pray for them, love them. Look, my brother is a Methodist pastor, and my dad's very involved, so love them. We entered into a network, a global network called Acts 29. Uh, but in all that, and we spent really the last year plus uh, talking about that and moving that. So now it's, it is what's next. And the next season, the next vision and direction uh, for Bellwether Community Church. And so I say that because I do want you all to attend if you can. I can promise you this. Uh, we will be done by 7.30. And I know some of you are like, yeah, whatever. Well, Wednesday night, and this was intentional and strategic, uh, one of my idols, the New York Yankees, are playing the Oakland A's in the wild card game, and it starts at 7. So I don't know if you want to I'm going to be leaving at 7.30, okay? For real. So you know now. Uh, some of you brothers are like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know. You know. It, uh, I say that also because part of the vision does apply to this message. And that we want to uh, propose, share, uh, give a vision for a giving plan. Uh, because now as we exit out of the United Methodist denomination, this building, this property is the people of Bellwether Community Church. That was not the case uh, previously. And that is important for you to know. And so we are going to put forth uh, a vision to, to pay this off. And also uh, to recoup, uh, this may be more information you want to know, but it's important. Uh, we had to literally buy the title back at the tune of about $85,000 uh, and a plan to recoup that for uh, the greater and more robust, I love that word, uh, health and financial health for Bellwether Community Church for mission and ministry for the future. So it, it is important, it's vital, and want, uh, deacons have discussed this, elders have discussed this, so I say that, and I hope to see you starting at 6 because there's a game, and I will be watching it at 7.30. Uh, it applies to this passage, 
Now, we say we present the gospel, we share the gospel, because this, we're talking about this series that we're in is money, sex, and marriage. I think it's important before we, we move into this passage that uh, it's so, you know, I used to, you know, go to church and, you know, hear lots of different messages. But everybody that comes in here, and this is, this is really, you may not think about it, everybody that comes in here, you have a starting point for how you hear, for how you receive uh, God's word, how you receive the service. So, for example, a great starting point, well, maybe not great, but a starting point that, that you might have, you hear that, you're like, oh, is this the one you're asking me to give? Or that may be your story. Oh, I, I came in, visitors for the dedication. Oh, I'm here on that Sunday, uh, the giving Sunday. No, it could be worse. You know, uh, you could come next week uh, when we're talking about sex. So anyway, you know, it's true. We are talking about that next week. And we're rotating. But no, that's not the starting point for any of these. And what I try to present before each one is to show that all three of these, uh, money, sex, and marriage, can be barriers uh, to our life and walk in Christ. And so my hope as we move through the fall in this series, we'll go through in November, is that you see the beauty of these gifts, and yes, money, sex, and marriage, and you see the beauty of Christ and how it ties in to your faith, to your belief in Christ, uh, also to, to your daily, weekly, monthly, yearly walk with Christ, and that, that all are important. Even, and we talked about marriage last week, and we highlighted over and over again, even if you're not married, how you look at marriage, uh, how... Uh, you're moving into marriage. So today, uh, it is about money, and there are two passages, again, Deuteronomy 26 and Habakkuk uh, chapter 3. And I, I use both because Deuteronomy, the last uh, message on, on money a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus, what he said in Matthew 6. So we're looking at passages that deal with giving uh, in these sermons throughout the Bible. So shifting to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 26 really gives us, as Christians, uh, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, and if you're not, you can see how what God says about giving. It really gives us a strategy uh, for giving. And then Habakkuk, I, I chose that because uh, you may be familiar with that book. It's short, but it, it's, really, it's really a picture of, um, of evil times, of dark times, when prayers are unanswered. And so Habakkuk is saying in the end, hey, I can rejoice even when I have nothing to give. Because I talk to people all the time, like, man, I'm barely, I'm, or I'm not making ends meet month to month. You know, what do I do about giving? Well, uh, that uh, provides us with an example, too, from the Bible. So I think both of these passages combined uh, show us about biblical giving, uh, what uh, God says to us uh, about giving, uh, in the Bible, uh, to the church, and that our giving as Christians uh, should be sacrificial, should be joyful, and we should give graciously. Uh, and let me just say this last thing before getting into it. Uh, look, all of these three that we're talking about, uh, these three topics today, money, man, they're, they're challenges uh, for all of us, including me, particularly this issue of money and economics and, you know, well, what do, I, what do I do with that as a Christian? Because I have my faith, and then there's tension there. So I want to acknowledge that, uh, not just for y'all, for me, too. But uh, what I try to have faith in and lay claim in and go back to is the Bible and God leading me. So I hope that you'll see, you know, what can be this barrier for all of us and see the beauty of what God has given us 
uh, in these gifts, and a big one is money. So, again, principles. Sacrificial, joyful, graciously. The first one, sacrificial. Go to Deuteronomy 26. We'll look at that first. Uh, this is, it's talking explicitly about giving to God. And verse 2, very key verse, it says, Take the first fruits, or take some of the first of all the land's produce that you harvest from the land the Lord your God is giving you, and put it in a basket. Then go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to have his name dwell. So God says, take the first fruits, okay? Now, uh, in this passage, most of the Israelites were farmers. And, and some of you may be farmers here. Uh, you, you, know, you may um, think about your harvest, plan your harvest, and then the harvest comes. And often, what happens is, okay, after the harvest has happened, you know how much uh, you have. You know how much you can give. Uh, this is different. This is God saying, no, don't do it that way. Don't wait till after the harvest uh, to give what you have or what you can out of your surplus. Uh, This is very explicit. Uh, Give the first. So you're planting from the harvest and the harvest comes in right at the beginning and you still don't know how much is going to come in. He says, the first that comes from the harvest, give that to me. You see the difference? Because you don't know... Uh, whether the harvest will be good, will be plentiful, or be bad. Now, an easy pushback would be like, well, great, but you know what? I'm not a farmer, okay? So, you know, doesn't apply to me. Well, we're not farmers, or I'm not a farmer, but it can apply. Uh, For example, the harvest uh, often happens at the end of the year. You know, you have investments. Uh, Some of you have a portfolio, uh, maybe you don't have an investment, maybe you don't have a portfolio, uh, but you have contracts or potential contracts. Uh, maybe, maybe you don't have contracts, uh, your uh, worship or in the arts, and you have gigs, and you're like, well, how many gigs are going to come in? And we wait to the end of the year, as many of us do and often, and we see what the harvest has produced in terms of our investments, of our portfolio, of our contracts, of our gigs. And then we'll say, okay, great, now I can give out of my surplus. And God says here, that's not what you do. Uh, God says here, give give me the first. Give me the first, when when you don't know. God says here, uh, give the first fruits uh, where it will impact and affect your life. It very well will change your life. Uh, It is sacrificial giving. Uh, and often, uh, often we don't want to give that way. We'll say, well, if times are good, then I can give at the end of the year. I can give uh, a lot more. But see, when we do that, if it's bad or it's a bad year, then we can't give. So God is saying, you know, not me, saying give me the first. Not knowing what all will come. Uh, and yes, that that will affect your life and possibly change your life. But give me the first fruits. God is saying, I don't want the leftovers. I want the firstovers. New word there. Okay? But it applies. How do you like this sermon now? Pretty good? Pretty good? Tracking? Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, it gets better, I hope. We'll see. Um, second principle. I said sacrificial. 
joyful. And that's the other thing. Like, you'll hear that, and man, we'll start, start gritting our teeth, and like, ah, oh, man, well. And I say over and over again, especially on this sermon, this is not me saying it, you know, it's the Bible saying it, okay? Can't argue with God. But really, it's supposed to not be the teeth gritting. Not, it may affect our life, change our life from the outside, but the inside, we should be joyful. Uh, we should be wanting uh, to give. We should be glad to give. I've always said this, you know, I want givers here, whether it's the offering plate on Sunday morning or sending in a check, please joyfully give. If you're not joyful, I mean, it's, it's the heart issue. That's, that's most important. So you're like, well, where, where are they joyful here? Well, well, moving on in Deuteronomy 26. So he gives the first, he puts it in a basket, and then the priest takes it, uh, puts it uh, before the altar. This is verse 4. And then verse 5, it says, you respond to saying to God in the presence of God. And he goes through this passage, and I'm going to say it, but basically that we were wanderers. They, God saved us from Egypt. We were enslaved. He gave us this land. God gave us this land. He gave it as a gift. So we're thankful. We're joyful that God gave us this land as a gift. So the Israelites, you know, were in captivity in Egypt. God saved them. God rescued them. God gave this land uh, to this. And now the Israelites said, look, they're working hard year to year, not knowing what the harvest will bring. But they give the first fruits and they're joyful about it. And then the passage closes that the Levites, who Levites, translation here, they're like ministers, pastors then, so like me. And then the aliens would be like the poor, uh, the poor. That both the pastors and the poor are rejoicing because you're giving joyfully and that impacts both ministries in churches, Levite priest me, but also ministries to the poor. It's liberating people from spiritual slavery, okay, which we believe in. When you're not in Christ, you're enslaved to the things of the world. Liberating people from physical bondage, being poor. And so there is rejoicing with them, but that the people, when they go in and they say this before the Lord, that, hey, I'm working hard, but you've given this, it's joyful. You know, what do I, what do I mean by that? Again, the Israelites, they worked hard. Uh, they had uh, talents, you know, I'm sure. I mean, Moses, Joshua, the people, they had talents. Um, they had health. They, they worked hard, but they didn't save themselves. If you, if you know the Sunday school stories, if you know the Old Testament, you know, I mean, God parted the sea. God led them out. God gave them the land. They didn't do it themselves. The land was a gift. Canaan was a gift. They didn't save themselves. God saved them. So for us, apply to today, you're like, hey, push back. I'm not an Israelite, and I'm not a farmer, you know, and I work hard. And I de- you might say, I deserve what I get, or I've earned. That's a better word. I've earned what I've worked for. Well, wanting you to be joyful, all of you have talents. That's something I'm very big on. Everybody. And talents not meaning athletics or you know, mental or intellectual, or you have talents. You have God-given gifts. Who gave you those gifts? As I said, God-given gifts. You have talents. The, I think the majority of you in here, I don't want to speak for all, but the majority of us right now in here, we have our health. We do have our health, even though, you know, you might, you know, have a cold or, you know, you might have, I don't know, headaches or backaches or, I mean, we have, we're here. We have our health. We have talents. Who gave you that? Who gave you that gift? 
Then you, you'd say, or you know, I'd say too, push back. Well, man, I've worked hard. And I've worked hard. I've earned this. Well, I mean, look, let's, let's be clear. I mean, God opens doors all the time. God opens doors uh, with our birth. Uh, the beauty of, of a child uh, born into a family. God opens doors for us with relationships. God opens doors for us in churches. Uh, relationships here and a network here. God opens doors all the time. And I know for me, so I'm not saying you... I'm pretty sure if I was born somewhere else, if I, if I was born, and I didn't choose where I'm born, but if I'm born in like Mongolia, in, in some small town community, I'm going to be poor. I mean, it, it doesn't matter how hard I work. You know, you can name other countries. If I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm born in rural Pakistan right now, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't have it easy. Okay? Who gave us these opportunities? Who opens these doors for you? I am saying here to you now, I mean, everything, everything I have, I know, is a gift from God. Everything we have is a gift of God. And, and when we see that, like when we really see that, then we will give sacrificially. We will give joyfully. We'll give radically. When you know it's like, it's all a gift. God has saved me in Christ. God has opened doors for me. Matthew 6 Going back to the passage we talked about, uh, the last money talk. Matthew 6, Jesus says, you know, your treasure is where your heart is. Where your heart is there, your treasure will be. So if you look in the heart, that's where uh, your treasure is. What you value, what you treasure in your heart, your money will go effortlessly. It will. What you treasure in your heart. Give you an example for me, and, and some of you know this. Uh, I mentioned a ball game Wednesday night. Uh, I, I do love sports. Uh, my passion in sports, though, is baseball. October 1st is one of the greatest days of the if not the best day of the year. I mean, for many reasons. I mean, you're like, you're going downhill to Christmas. Y'all know some of you, I love Christmas. But, I mean, for, us, for a baseball fan, for a sports month, I mean, it is like, it is money, no, no pun intended. It's money time because you still got the college football. You got baseball playoffs. There's like day games in the, the first round and, and night games. I mean, it's, it's awesome. So I love baseball, okay? How does this apply to, like, heart, money, all that? Well, if I, if I love baseball and if I love a particular team, I won't name which, I mean, you say Cubs, Cardinals, Yankees, Braves, Red Sox, you know, whatever. I mean, right now, most, most games at Major League Ballparks, I mean, it's, for an individual, but definitely a family. I mean, it, it's costly. But man, we try to go to a game every summer, and I could care less what it costs. I want my boys, I want us to have, I grew up going to a couple games a year with my dad. I want us to have that experience. My heart's there. Track it with me. My money goes effortlessly to have the opportunity to go to a pro baseball game with my family. And if I, and if I lived in a, in a town where we had major league games, I'm Forgive me, uh, Jackson Braves fans. Sorry, well, I don't go to those games. But if I lived in St. Louis or Chicago, man, we'd, we'd go to a lot, and money would probably go effortlessly. Now, the other thing, since we don't live baseball again, uh, what if uh, you love it, and like, you know, what if your heart is, is really, you're treasuring your heart that you want your son to be the next Aaron Judge, okay? Speaking truth here. Right, Jack? Yeah. What if you want your son to be the next Aaron Judge? You'll pay it effortlessly. Lessons, teams, everything. I, I was talking to a dad this week. Uh, 
with a, you know, a baseball group, and he's like, man, this year's our last rodeo. I'm like, well, why is that? Man, last year I added up, I spent $4,000 on my son's baseball team. And he's like, it, it ain't like he's going to be Aaron Judge. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, I was like, well, we'll see. We'll see if this is your last rodeo. Treasure in your heart. What do you treasure? That's, that's where your money will go. Your treasure. Now, some of you be like, okay, you said second point might get better. I still am not liking this sermon, okay? Uh, or I'm still not liking this. Let's think about it like this then. How do you know if Jesus is your treasure? How do you know if Jesus is your treasure? Is Jesus, and I ask my, look, I ask myself this too. Is Jesus very impersonal to me? Is he impersonal to you? Uh, do you do things for Christ really out of duty? Like, man, it's Sunday, and man, some late games last night, but I got to go to church. I mean, I got to go to church. Do you give out a duty? As in, like, do you give your presence? Do you give your gifts? Do you give your, your money? Is it out of duty? Is it impersonal? Or like, do, do you know in your heart I mean, what Jesus has done for you? That he saved you. That, that on our own, and this is a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview, on our own, we're deserving of death and hell. But that Jesus Christ, what we just sang about or maybe just listened to what the Bible says is that he took it all on. He, he has saved us. The blood of the Lamb uh, saved us in Christ alone. He saved us. Does that, does that resonate with you? Does it, like coffee, does it, does it percolate into, into, your, into your heart and, and grow to a robust relationship and not one out of duty? And that then, you know, everything that you have is a gift from God. Everything. And then you would give. We would give. Sacrificially, joyfully, radically. So, let's go to Habakkuk. Habakkuk. What do you do when like, okay, great, but I got nothing. Okay? I mean, I'm barely making ends meet or I'm not making ends meet. And, you know, what, what do you do then? So Habakkuk uh, 17 through 19. I'm going to read this. Again, through, though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no fruit, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stall, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. These last couple of verses, it's an end, and he said, so saying there's nothing. Uh, fruits were a form of currency then. So no money. Livestock, uh, lands were like your portfolio, your investment. Nothing. There is nothing he cannot give. So what do you do then in those times? In evil times, in hard times. And I would say this, you talk about a gift of being here. Uh, Millions of Christians, millions of believers around the world, they're not just looking at bankruptcy. They're looking at starvation. They're looking at persecution. This is something believers face. We should pray for them. But what do we do in those times? Well, it would say to us, because he's rejoicing, that, uh, that you can still rejoice, regardless of circumstances. Regardless of what your circumstances are today, you can, you can rejoice. Uh, there's a passage, and I don't, know, I don't remember the chapter, but Jesus sends the disciples out. Jesus sends the disciples out, and they heal and they perform, they cast out demons, and they come, come back, and they said, even the demons 
were, uh, were shuddering at us in your name. We cast out demons. You know what Jesus says to them? He basically says, like, rejoice not in the works that you do. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There's a principle here that, you know, we can rejoice in, in what we have, what we do. Our greatest rejoicing should be in that our names are in heaven. Same, uh, same example, a guy, some of you know, I've talked about him, Martin Lloyd-Jones, arguably the greatest preacher that you don't know in the 20th century. Uh, he pastored in London, he, he wrote, he preached, he, um, really phenomenal ministry that the Lord granted him. Uh, towards the end of his life, he was sick and someone came to him and said, you know, do you not wish for those days when you taught so much and you wrote so much and you know, you were in the public eye, and you, he, he literally impacted much of, well, England, Europe, and, and now the United States. And true story. And, he's saying, and he said, uh, rejoice not in the works that you do. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. So when there's nothing, rejoice in your salvation. I said this at the very beginning of the service. Many of us carry shame, guilt, condemnation from the past. The truth of Scripture, the truth of Christianity is that the past is wiped away. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You are saved, and in the future, and this is true, biblical worldview, Christian, in the Bible, you will have a new resurrected body. And so there is this, in general, there can be a poise and confidence. A poise and confidence. Only in your salvation, not in your bank accounts, not in your portfolios, not in how great a Christian we are, how great a church we are, not in how great of an athlete you are or that you are, uh, you're getting scholarships or a Rhodes Scholar. Rejoicing not in that, that your names are written in heaven. It does give you a poise and a confidence in good times and in dark times. Now, another pushback, and I'm closing up, okay? Another pushback is like, yes, I know, but I can't. Like, I say that in my heart. Or you say, yes, I know, but that's great for whatever his name is. It starts with an H, H-A-B, we call him. But I can't. True. You can't and I can't if we just look at, like, Habakkuk and say, okay, it's a great principle. We can't do that unless we look to the one to whom Habakkuk and all the Old Testament prophets point. Uh, Jesus, in Luke 24, he said to his disciples, you're just not seeing it. All the Old Testament points to me. So he points to someone on the cross. Jesus had no bank account. The only possession, the only materialism that he had was a robe. And that was taken for him and gambled to see who won. He had no pockets for no money. Yet on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God. And he said, why have you forsaken me? But my God, that's covenantal language. He was still obeying the Father. He was still doing what he was supposed to do, called to do, is being obedient. And he did it, and this is the truth. And if I can say it, but sometimes we've just heard it so much, it doesn't percolate. It does. He did it for you. He did it for me. I believe that with all my heart. It's why I do what I do. He did it for you, for me. He gave us grace. He gives us gifts. When we, when we really know that, really know that. We will give of ourselves sacrificially. And I'm not even talking about money here. Joyfully. We'll give our life to Him. We really know that in our heart. When the Holy Spirit 
allows us to see that. Uh, last point, I said sacrificially, joyfully, graciously. Last point, back to Deuteronomy 26, I will say this. If you, if you read further in that chapter, it talks literally about the tithe as a principle. The tithe, many of us have heard it, we're raised in churches, the tithe is, you know, 10%. Uh, so it does, it never says tithe in the New Testament. It says tithe in the Old Testament. It says, as I mentioned earlier, that the Levites and the aliens will rejoice. Levites being the pastors, aliens being the poor. And yet, see, what I'd close with, if, if, you, know, if you know the real grace of God, uh, the truth that regardless of what you've done, what you're doing, New life can start, can begin in a moment, today. You're given new life in Christ. You're given grace. You're saved. There's no condemnation of your past. You have a future body to look forward to. You have gifts now that can be used for Him as as vehicles. Your money becomes so much more than money. It's vehicles of grace. Where churches rejoice, the pastors. Where ministries rejoice, the aliens. That liberates people spiritually. That liberates people physically. That the gifts God has given you become so much more in the gift. Become a vehicle for God's work in this time, in this season, in the life. That is a gift that he has given you. It changes the way you see everything. So the graciously is, is based at this point. When you push past the 10%. When you get that, when you're like, I want to give graciously. I want to give more. You see, the gifts can become vehicles for the King of kings, the Lord of lords, for his kingdom. You're like, where does it say that in the Bible? Well, Luke 19, Zacchaeus, we all know Zacchaeus in a tree, but we don't often remember what he said. He, came, he comes down, he said, Jesus, I'm going to give 50%, half of all I have to the poor. Does Jesus say, whoa, 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 it's really not necessary, okay? You can, all I need is 10%. Jesus says, great. Jesus says, great. Zacchaeus got the grace. It's like, I want to give graciously. I want to, I want to give of the gifts that I have. And so for us, I mean, it, it doesn't come back to, hey, I need you to give, or hey, I want you to give, or hey, we got this. It, that's, that's, I mean, it's important, but that's just, it's really, it's nothing. It's not encouraging. It's not inspiring. It's not, it's not for me, so apparently for you. What is, is that the truth of the gospel Jesus has given everything on the cross. You know, going back to Deuteronomy again, the Israelites, they were saved. If you remember this Sunday school story, they were rescued out of Egypt the last night, Passover, and as a penalty for sin, the angel of death, true story, the angel of death was coming in and was killing every firstborn child. And God told Moses, told the Israelites, you know, if you're saved, put the blood of the lamb on your door. And the angel of death will walk by, pass by, and you'll be saved. Now, the Israelites that time didn't know that that too, if you heard me right, was foreshadowing the blood of the Lamb that saves us from death, from the penalty of death, from the penalty of sin. And that's the truth. Saved by the blood of the Lamb. So that you have serene confidence. You have poise. There's no past condemnation. You are free. You can exit out here and say, man, God has graciously given me. He's given me everything. One day, if you're Christian, we'll see just how much he's given. But you can know now that, that there is a purpose for this time, this season in your life, and God's given you gifts, abilities, faculties, 
opportunities. And you start thinking, how can I use these for him and his kingdom? So that Levites, pastors, rejoice. Aliens, poor, rejoice. And I can be used, and things that I've been given can be vehicles to liberate people spiritually. That's, that is what inspires me. That is what encourages me. And it should you, because every one of you have many, many gifts and many, many opportunities. God opens doors for you all the time. And when you know, I can't force this, but when you know that he has saved you from all you ever would be, all you ever could be in sin, all you ever will be without him, then you say, I'm ready to give. I'm ready to give sacrificially, joyfully, graciously. I'm ready to give my life and see what he does. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, my prayer is not that people would give, but that people would see all you have given to us, for us, for the world. We get caught up in, in, uh, in, in idols. Uh, for me, yeah, baseball or, or sports or, or entertainments or, or being successful. I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would, would free us truly. And see that you have saved us. And that there are men and women here who can move out for your kingdom in this world. Whether it be in Jackson or Mississippi or the world. Whether it be as someone who's been given a gift for business. Literally for making money. For legal work. To heal the body as a physician. In the arts, in in music or, or dramatic arts. Or in sales. An ability to talk and to give vision and help people see things. And that people would literally strategize because of what you've done in their heart. Like, how can I use the gifts that I've given for your kingdom? In every relationship I have, in every door that that you open that I see, and the doors that I believe you open that I don't see. How can I give my life for you? May we all ask that of ourselves. And if we don't, and if we're resistant to that question, then I'm so thankful that it doesn't matter about me or any human words, but the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit and what you've done by shedding your blood to save us all does resonate and change people's lives. And it has here, and it will here, and it will everywhere until we see you physically again, and whether that be in heaven or you return. That is good news, and I'm grateful for that. May we honor you as we take communion. In Jesus' name, amen.